Hi, I'm Chris Looney. I work for the Washington State Department of Agriculture in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, and I manage our entomology lab and insect collection. Chris Looney explained how even though not significantly more people die from the Asian giant hornet than from other insects, it did earn the nickname murder hornet due likely to the pain of its sting. As the world's largest hornet, it can inject a huge dose of venom. Chris Looney told me more. The people up in Canada that did get stung described it as like having hot nails driven into their chest. One, one guy said it was like being kicked by a horse. One of the beekeepers came upon some of them still in the hive that they had killed and they came out and stung him. And he said it took a week to recover and he'd never been in 60 years of working with stinging insects stung by anything like it. So no joke and no fun. Now, I read that Asian giant hornets swoop down on bees while they're flying in the air. They rip the bees' heads off, suck out their juices, and then carry the dead bodies to their nests to feed to their young. Is that about right? Because that sounds nuts to me. (laughs) More or less. What they do is they'll capture actually a whole variety of insects, not just bees. And yeah, they'll cut off the head and chew off some of the parts of the insect that aren't especially nutritive. And then they mash it up into sort of like a moist ball and they fly that back. And that's what they then feed to their babies. (laughs) Okay. It sounds so morbid, but I guess that's just nature. (laughs) Right. I mean, if you've ground up pig meat, you know, it's not horribly different. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Really. So where do these come from originally? Where are they native? Basically, Eastern Asia with scattered populations all all the way across the Himalayas. Where are they present now? Actually, the only other place that they are present that we know of outside of their native range is our little corner of the Pacific Northwest, so British Columbia and adjacent Washington State. How did this Asian giant hornet get to the Pacific Northwest of the United States? The most probable answer is the same way animals and plants get moved all over the planet anyway, and that that's in the massive amount of international cargo that goes back and forth across the oceans. Global trade. Global trade, yeah. Were you involved in these nest findings in your region? So this summer, we had a pretty intensive trapping program. We're using just these bottle traps based on what people kind of do at home in Japan and Korea. They're basically crappy mimosas that we hung up in trees all over the place, orange juice and rice wine. We also had a really robust public reporting program where people could put things on the website or call us or email us. And all of these together ended up leading to kind of a hot spot in a really rural part of the county where we were finding lots of hornets that seemed like they must be there. And then we switched to trying to capture some live. We used radio tags designed for tiny birds and were able to finally successfully follow one to a nest which unfortunately turned out to be in a hollow tree. We were anticipating it being in the ground, which is where they're more likely to be found. Anyway, this one was in a tree, so... Harder to contain, Yeah, harder to contain. Yep, yep. And then we used the same approach. We vacuumed them up, collected them into a cylinder. We had all these living hornets, as it turned out, that we were able to flash freeze or even provide a live to some researchers in-state to see if we could develop better lures. So yeah, I was... I was there for every step of the uh, operation. Vacuuming those suckers out there. I was the vacuumer. I was the really? guy right at the hole. You were yeah. you were the and guy holding boss, the vacuum. I was the guy holding the vacuum nozzle. The vacuum nozzle. was actually sitting on the ground. But yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, then my boss was there with a two by four banging on the tree to try to get them to be mad and come out. So. Oh, man. Yeah. How did you feel at that moment? Was it just like just doing my job or like did you did you have some adrenaline pumping there? How how were you feeling in the moment? I, I think the the adrenaline pumping moment was stuffing foam in the tree crack to make sure they didn't come out somewhere we weren't expecting. 
that didn't last very long. After that, it was sort of exasperation because they, in my mind, based on YouTube, they were going to come swarming out. Instead, they trickled out one by one, kind of like, what's, who's at the door? Somebody answer that, you know, like, and it just took forever. So, so no, the uh, adrenaline quickly faded into boredom. Okay, <laughs> cool. How much damage can they do to bee populations? The, the, the unsatisfying, honest answer is we don't know. For wild bees, there's not a lot of evidence that they will have a big impact. The main bee population that I and I, I think most of us are worried about are managed honeybees. Every human being on, on Earth now knows that bees, at least a subset of bee species, are responsible for a lot of the vegetable and fruit crops we like to eat. I read that a small army of 15 to 30 hornets could easily wipe out a colony of 50,000 honeybees within a matter of hours. During most of the year, the hornets are just catching insects and have pretty Catholic taste about it, right? They'll catch some bees, they'll catch some katydids, they'll catch some beetles. Late in the season, they switch to this mass predation on other social hymenoptera, including honeybees. And that sort of makes sense. This happens about when they're ramping up the production of the next generation. So they got all these really big fat larvae that they're trying to feed and have those larvae grow and develop into queens, which are you know almost twice as large as, as the smallest workers. So they seem to take a lot of resources. And if you think about a beehive or a paper wasp nest or something like that, it's a ready buffet of tasty animals that don't actually have hard bits yet. So they can, they can avoid having to th throw away useless legs and things like that. So what will happen is late in the season, a hornet will mark a nest and that will recruit a group of her sisters. And indeed, uh, as few as a dozen hornets can eliminate 50,000 bees in a couple of hours. And what they do in this stage is they catch them and they bite their heads off. But this time, instead of like then further processing the body and taking it back, they throw it on the ground and move on to the next bee. They just kind of go through what Japanese scientists called a slaughter phase. And they do this until the colony essentially collapses. It can't mount any kind of defense whatsoever. At that point, they occupy the hive, they walk around at liberty and pull those pupae and larvae out and fly those back to the nest. So it'd be sort of like if you went to the grocery store, got rid of all the clerks and then just had had the grocery store at your will. Yeah, except the stuff on the shelves is actually little baby bees, I guess, right? Exactly, right? You're just in that frozen baby bee aisle. So, <laughs> um, And so that happens late in the season. It's definitely happened here already. Our worry is that, like many invasive species, the hornet will suddenly find itself in an environment where it is free of all population controls, no competitors, there aren't really any predators that we know of, and it'll go nuts. And also the way they keep bees in the US and Canada, they're often enormous apiaries. And so if there were a whole bunch of hornet nests around and they found these apiary bonanzas, they could have a really, really huge impact. So, so there is concern around these murder hornets disrupting the food web. Could this happen? It seems unlikely that this species will dramatically impact most of those non-human food webs. They may increase costs for mm. human-maintained yeah. food webs, so, our, so that will just increase costs, but it probably won't amount to like vegetable Armageddon or anything like that. I also had a look at this uh, paper that was published in September of 2020. There's actually now three independent studies that more or less find the same thing. Essentially, there's an expanse of really great habitat available in many, many places of the world. Again, mostly these, these temperate areas. What are those regions that uh, you found the Asian giant hornet could spread to? So the place where it's potentially invading right now, the Pacific Northwest and most of the western coast of, of North America above the San Francisco Bay Area looks like it's pretty great habitat. 
like the entire eastern seaboard is basically good habitat from Lake Newfoundland all the way to Kansas. I mean, it's a lot of habitat. And if you jump across the pond, most of Europe is a sitting duck. It looks like the Iberian Peninsula has a big chunk, like in the um, the plateau there in the middle is, is a big chunk of harsh habitat, but everywhere else looks great all the way into continental Russia. So parts of Africa, Madagascar, yep, the Atlantic coast of Brazil. And is this likely to happen? If we cannot contain it in our state right now, then yes, it is very likely to spread throughout the available habitat on the West Coast, uh, unless we develop some new tools. Like I said, right now we're hanging mimosas and trees. Maybe we'll come up with much more attractive lures that will change the game on the ground. But as long as we're just hanging cocktails, they are going to move just fine through the Pacific Coast. The weakest link in our entire program is figuring out how to find wasps at low densities early enough in the season to locate nests before um, they produce new queens and males. A huge part of the answer is having the engaged public. Thanks so much for your time. Cool. Oh, you bet.